So, you know, you, you, you learn a lot by getting something right or close to right on the ground and getting on and, and, and then seeing a, a similarity or a big difference. And then you go, okay, learn, it teaches us to identify what may be the problem. And that's all I do at clinics is I say to people, well, you know, that works really good when you're in front of your horse, but when you did it from behind the wither, the horse was really nervous. So it's not the fact that the horse doesn't know how to lead. It's the fact that the horse is still frightened of people at a certain angle on, on, their, on its eye. Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Welcome to the new year and a new season of Mark Langley Horse Training Tips. We're going to start this episode by looking at highly anxious horses and how we can help them. The first question, Mark, comes from Marianne, and she has a four-year-old warm-blood mare who she says his her mind is like a six-lane freeway where everybody is an overhaul. She's got a very high level of anxiety. She never seems to be able to relax. So in her stable, she's always scratching the floor, picking up her feet, stomping. When she gets a thought, she's hyper-focused, and she finds it really hard to get her away from it. So this mare she's had for two years, and when they have to trim her feet or do something with her with a farrier, they have to control her by holding her ears. So we're guessing that's an ear twitch. She's very curious, but she doesn't want to be touched. So touching any of her sensitive areas has been a really slow process. And when she's in season, she urinates easily. Marianne describes her as a release hunter, and she seems to have a hard thought when she's around people. She can trail ride her alone on a long rein, but when too much is happening, her mind seems to go offline. She's done a lot of work inspired by your ideas, Mark, but she's still struggling with her. And although this lady, Marianne, has started many horses and ridden many difficult horses without problems, this one is a challenge for her. So she's turning to you to find out what she might be able to do to help her and progress. Yeah, there's a few things in there, Marion, but um, I'm glad you've come on board and, and I hope along the way I could offer you some help. But uh, the, the first two things that I, that I want to sort of you to think about is just in the question there, the, uh, the previous uh, owner um, that had her, you know, when the farrier came, they had to sort of ear twitch her uh, to, to handle her feet or, or trim her, um, that, that, that sort of flags up quite a red flag and then you know in new areas and stuff she's very hyper focused and nervous and can't um process all the things that are going on around her so there's horses that are very comfortable around people and handling and pick up their feet softly and in a comfortable environment they they can be fairly fairly calm and and, and fairly you know soft at, at the things that we're doing with them and then when they go out, they can they can be a little bit like overwhelmed by new environments and, and hyper focused. But by the sounds of it, with her, there's two areas in there that's really a big problem. And and one of the areas is is she still I think has trouble with people and the way she's handled. So basically, um, what you've got to look into is all the things that she doesn't understand, like you know when she leads up into a person and things like that. Is she comfortable when a person walks into her? Is she comfortable if you handle down the front leg or hind leg? Is she comfortable? 
So basically, if she's not comfortable uh, and connected around people, what's going to be happening is, you know, she may as well just have goblins leading her around and, and then those goblins take her into a scary environment. So by the seams of it, she needs to be a lot softer and more connected around people. So that, that part of it needs to be addressed. So, you know, get her good at leading, get her trusting people walking in on her, um, get her to give her alternatives when you're handling her and and, and any nervous situations, you know. So, like, I like to get horses to move a little so I might lead them up a little when I'm trying to handle their hind feet and stuff like that so they walk up to me, they walk the ribcage to me and, um, and, and, you know, a lot of touch and go, touch and go, come back in again and and just get her comfortable with the handling side of things so that she's very soft um, around people and trusting and that, that could be a whole process of going right back to start in, 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 in sort of, you know, even in like if you were watching videos, you could look at the sort of young horse stuff because there's a lot of little things in there you might find as missing links in her handling. And I wouldn't even worry about the new environment. Just work on the things that you can see and feel that, that are missing in her and the things that she doesn't understand, the simple things. Even when you ride her in a safe place, does she follow the left rein right? Does she follow the, the right rein right? You know, does she, does she does she feel good about those things? Is she comfortable with the reins? Is she comfortable with the legs? Because all those things that you're applying, you're going to have to apply to her when she's in a new environment. And once a horse's, if a horse's cup's already partly full because of the the, the scariness of the things that we're applying, then she's got to cope with those and all the new things that she's got to process in a new environment. So then they get to hyper-focusing, fixating on things and they they really get sort of you know stuck so the next stage of it would be working on um you know when you're working with her every time she starts to destinate or fixate you've got to do something big enough to get her to let go of that primary strong thought that's causing anxiety so you know whether it be a pop of a leg or um step back you know i don't know stepping back might be not enough to get her to change her thought you might have to do something big where you bang a flag on your leg and, and when she resets and she starts to process you and the environment that she's in, that's what, what the place that you want her. And, and with horses at clinics, I do a lot of that. Like some horses over, over a longer clinic, I'll spend a lot of my time getting them in a frame of mind ready for information and learning. So, um, so back to the start of the answer that I was talking about, the handling side of things, if you're in a calm environment and she's still hyper-focusing and things like that, well, before you do that handling, you might have to get her to let go of those strong destination thoughts or those gazes that she gets. And and when she sort of resets and comes back in, then maybe offer a bit of a connection and then and teach her to not be elsewhere in her mind. So so basically, every time she has a strong thought, you do something to get her to let go of that strong thought. And over time, they get in a in a um, you create a new habit where they start to process the environment that they're in, not just kind of block out and fixate somewhere else. But you've got to really help them with that one. So you might have to do that first and then go through all the things that she doesn't understand or she's nervous about. And then the next stage is taking her into more scary environments that that, that challenge her and doing the same thing, you know. But I guess what you'll have then is is a horse that understands what you're asking a lot better, but also you'll have a horse that um, that you've started to reprogram in a way that says, 
okay, I can let go of those fixations and I can process. And that's when you take them into a new environment because they're more in a processing uh, frame of mind, you can slow down and let them process and you'll see all the things that maybe made them fix. Like, so basically what happens if a horse goes, oh, there's something over there that's really scary, I'm, I'm just going to avoid it or look somewhere else. Or uh, what may happen is because you've taught her to let go of the, the strong thoughts somewhere else, is you watch them look and be nervous of the things that, um, that 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 concerns them, and then you wait a little and let them process those things, and and let them, uh, and even if 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 they have to kind of move away from those things, you give them the opportunity to do that a little bit, so they in charge of their own mind and body, so they can make decisions around scary things, and then they feel more empowered when you take them into those new environments. So. There's a whole bunch of things to, to look at, and that's the hardest thing about training. I wish I could say, you know, if you just got to, you know, get a let go of a strong thought, that would be it. But no, I think there's a lot more. There's get her to let go of those strong thoughts so she's centered and she's processing you and the environment that she's in, and then go through all the things that, that, that you can control and find the things that she doesn't understand or she's frightened of um, that you can control. And that's the handling, the feet picking up, the leading following the reins, the following the legs, all that sort of stuff. They're the things that you've got to go through and itemise each one and figure out which ones create more concern, which ones are okay, and work on getting them all so they work well. The thing that struck me, Mark, was that she's only four and she's she's got all these, like, it sounds like she's sort of living in this awful environment for her. She has to go in a stable that she absolutely hates and she's, you know, it. can, can you help a horse that's... that's that, that sort of, um, you know, that bad at such a young age, is it easy to help her? Is it, is it like going back to, to treating her as if she was a young horse? Yeah, four years old is not very old um, and, it, and it's not a lot of mileage. It's not a lot of emotional mileage and um, not a lot of physical mileage on a horse. So what I mean by mileage is the more miles you do in life, I suppose, the more experiences you have and the more you can deal with situations. But um, for her, she's been thrown into, um, you know, a war-torn environment and she's only got a water pistol to help her really at the end of the day. So, so you know, some young horses born into stables and born into certain environments can, um, can um, cope with certain human things. Some can't, but there's so many things in her environment that I don't think she's got the tools to understand and being four, she's still learning everything you're showing her, she's still learning. Uh, and also, she's the one that had the stallion that was with the stallion, yeah. So, by the sounds of it, um, even her herd environment that she was in traumatized her a bit. So, you know, she always had a real, you know, bully sort of horse that she was with. She was constantly on, on edge and on alert. Like, if you grew up with people that were constantly poking and bullying you, you'd be an edgy sort of person in any environment uh, with any horses because, you know, you'd see those horses as a potential threat. So the well-balanced horses emotionally with other horses are usually grown up in a herd where they've had a balance of horses and they've had room to get away from those really narking, annoying horses and they've also had other horses that they can spend time with that they can become comfortable with and they learn to that there's always alternatives when there's threats. So, so. There could be always a really nasty horse in a, in a herd, but in a big enough area, the horses can relieve themselves of that nasty horse and always have an alternative, whereas some horses grow up with a nasty horse close by, but they, they just can't get away from that annoyance because their paddocks are too small, things like that. So then they take that, whether it be bad weaning, 
the paddocking with other horses and they take that into their learning environment and, and, it, and it stays with them just like people. If you've been beaten up when you're a kid, you're going to have troubles when you're an adult, you know. So so those things just carry through with horses and, and all of but but it does but it takes a person to come along and say, Hey, I can give you alternatives to your anxiety, I can show you pathways, I can I can empower you through education to, to really um help them and I think that's important. So what about the like putting her in the stable? Is that something that you should be avoiding or helping her through? Well, um like I said before, it's it's like how many tools does she have and how what what can she process? I I I know with a lot of people they have to stable their horses, and it, it's kind of hard. But she's in an environment that she's obviously very uncomfortable with. So I would treat stabling like teaching the horse to load. I think I, I got a video oh it was just a year or two ago, and it was just a talk over um, video of a lady, and she lives in an area where it gets quite cold, so this, the horse has to be stabled, um, especially when the big storms come through in the winter time and this horse i looked at it in the stable and i said well don't just take it into the stable teach it how to process a stable which means it could be the the the, the you know the 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 barn sort of set up that you walk into the stables through it could be stopping her there and getting her to process everything and teaching her to walk softly in there and uh and and slow everything down and find out like if you were loading a horse onto a float there's a point where you're going to feel a brace and a resistance and a hesitation or, or a nervousness in a horse. And if you feel that, you you know that that horse is starting to go, I'm starting to get overwhelmed with all this, and then you can take them out and say, try again, uh, until they can realise that they can go in and out of that thing and, 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 and treat that whole going into stables and that environment with stables and other horses as a loading experience until she's a lot softer going into the stables. Um, and then if she can process and not gaze and not bounce around at 5,000 miles an hour in a mine when she goes into there, um, then take her out and bring her back in again and do, and do that for a little while and, and help her process the stables and, and that environment a lot more. Okay, and we're going to put some links for some videos to you, for you to watch as well, Marianne, for that. The next question mark is from Jean Marie, and it's very similar, I suppose, in the sense that this horse um, is very, very anxious. It's a particularly gazy horse, and it's a horse that Jean Marie rides just once a week, and she's been riding it about half a year. Um, what she's finding is that her horse is super, super starey stuff. She sometimes she's got no idea what on earth he's looking at. She can't see anything, but there might be a small, small noise or something that's different. And he stares obsessively with pricked ears, and almost nothing that she can do will help him once the thought is there. She's tried backing up, shoulder in, and other maneuvers. He does them, but he responds only with his feet, not his mind. His focus stays away and the tension builds up. And so his worry sort of builds up there as well. And she ends up feeling quite insecure. Um, and then she's got to try and find a way of relaxing him, turning him around or dismounting. So her question is, what are your recommendations for this type of problem? Where should she start in order to build a tool that's going to help both of them in this situation? Should she start on the ground with the flag and the rope, teaching him to change his focus? And will that work later on when she touches the reins? So very similar sort of thing in those two questions. Um, but I'm just going to tell a little story before I 
give you the answer, but there might be an answer in the little story of a, of a horse at a clinic that I worked because as I as with the last question, you have to go back through education and find out how the horse processes information presented by people. And I find a lot of the problems I'm coming up with in horses that are similar to this at clinics and things like that are the way the horse has been taught to process information has also helped them become fixators and gazers and things like this. And, and so I'm going to go to this story. There's a lady in Queensland a while ago at a clinic and she had a horse, a, a little Arab horse that became quite intensely focused, very much the same as what you've sort of talked about in that question is I'm fixating on everything. There's gremlins hiding in the bushes. Where are they? So when it started to lead, it would just march out, but just focus on everything and, 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 and fixate and, and just was kind of like on overload. And she got to a point that she says, I've got to stop. I, you know, this, it's not getting any better. I can't help this horse. I can't get into its head. So there was a cancellation on a second clinic. So she managed to fit into two clinics, which was good because by the end of the first clinic, I think it was a three, three-day clinic, we made a bit of progress, but we hadn't quite got that sort of change of thought that we needed for that horse to process better. But in the second clinic, it made some really good changes where the horse just really started to process and become soft and, you know, walk out on a loose rein nice. And I asked her the, some of the styles of training that she's taught the horse and she taught the horse to look at pressure. She wasn't really aware that she taught the horse to look at pressure, but I guess what was happening was when she put a stick somewhere, the horse had to move away from the stick, so it had to look at the stick move away, and then she put a stick somewhere else and it moved away from that stick, and then she put pressure in front of it and moved away over there. Um, so this horse was so tuned to looking for pressure that it became paranoid with its eyes. So basically it had so much paranoia that every time you'd move, you'd adjust, you'd do something sort of on the ground. It'd be looking for where the danger was. Because it was a release hunter, it would, it would think that if I move away from the danger, the pressure's going to stop. So it started to look for danger in its groundwork all the time. So its eyes weren't there to process the environment. They weren't there to go towards its thoughts. They were only there in groundwork to look for where the pressure is so it can move away from where that pressure is. So, so that's why I call it, it becomes eye paranoid. So then I said to her, so when you ride out, you've got this horse that's paranoid, that's learning to look for danger that it has to move off. Now you're going to ride that horse out into the, to the, to the you know, out into the bush and instead of learning that it can process and trust everything that you're asking it it's become paranoid of things that it has to look out for because in groundwork that's all it's ever done and um so once i adjusted that in her and adjusted the way the horse thought then basically when it when when things started to make make good changes it started to process everything around it really well so the reason i told that story is just for everyone out there to think about have I taught my horse to look for danger in groundwork and move away from danger all the time, or have I taught it to process its environment and go towards its thoughts? If you have a horse that's looking for the stick, looking for the pressure, if it's hyper-focused at liberty, all those things, you're setting your horse up to be an eye-paranoid horse that fixates on things and, and gets paranoid about all the things that could happen out there. I'm not saying that's the only thing that's going to cause that. I'm just saying... If you have a horse that's already like a, like an Arab who's already a looker, who's already looks for danger, if you've taught them to fixate on things, move away from danger in training, 
it will make them a lot harder to help when 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 you need to get their thoughts um to to help them through so just think about that as as well in in everything you see in your groundwork um the next thing you know basically what what we did to help this horse and this will be the answer that'll help your horse is the first thing i started to work on was to trying to get her attention um when she was fixating and just gazing off okay so so basically if she had a strong thought i'd say let go of that thought just like the other other horse just let go of that thought when the thoughts come back i try to present something in there that made her connect to so i put my hand out something like that so she can breathe and just sort of center with us so what what i started to do was just become a grounded base that she could come and stand around and if she thought she had to kind of look off at something then i said don't you know let go of that um, I'm not trying to say focus on me, focus on me. I don't, I don't encourage people to do that because it's more personal. I just I just want to say let go of that thought. What they do after that is usually, well, what are they going to do after that? Usually they'll start to sort of um, process the environment they're in. So, so I don't want to get a horse to stop looking away just to look at me because that could be another hyper-focus, couldn't it? So I, I, the reason I just say to people, just teach your horse to let go of the fixation is because I just want the horse to come back and process the environment that it's in and I'm in. And then if it wants to process me and connect with me at the same time, well, that's something that I'll try and promote if I can. Um, but basically it's there so the horse can feel better and process and, and you know, feel that it's empowered to, to make decisions and, and be in that environment safely. So basically from there, you're starting a new way of thinking in that horse that it doesn't need to fixate on those things. And sometimes that takes some time to get a horse to get in a new frame of thinking that it doesn't have to fixate on things in the distance. Once you've, once you've taught the horse or you've taught the horse that and, and that becomes a more of a habit and it almost becomes like a psychological thing that they can tap into a lot easier, like a, like a neuro pathway sort of thing, then Basically, what's going to happen is you'll start to say, when I pull on a rein, go towards your thoughts. Or when I pull on a rein, let go of the outside thought and follow the feel of the rein, which means change your thoughts. So that's why we teach horses to go towards their thoughts is because it teaches them to, to, to go towards your thoughts. You have to let go of something else to follow, to go towards your thoughts, to focus on what you want to do or where you're going. So horses are very good at processing their environment but still having their primary focus on their task so if their primary focus is on all the dangers around and then their secondary focus is on the task it's not doing a very good job of you know doing what you're asking them to do so basically you're trying to say let go of that thought follow the rein follow the rope whatever it is so whatever aid you're using to help your horse so it could be leading when you pull on that rope the horse lets go of the backward thought or the gaze and comes through with its thoughts and follows that rope. So, so basically it's choosing to follow that rope, whichever way that rope goes, and then that rope becomes the rain. So if you think of that in your riding, you get that working really well in a safe place. So then you expose your horse to fairly new, just the edge of a new environment, and when they start to gaze off, you use those tools to be taught. I pick up a rain, let go of that thought, follow the feel of the rain. And, 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 and that's and then you slowly expose them um, in increments into new environments. And if you get you throw them too far into a strong environment and you can't get them back or you've learned something. 
maybe take them halfway out of that environment and see if you can get them back. But basically, before you take them into the mosh pit and the scary places, you have to have a way of getting in and saying, let go of that, okay? So so basically, you get that working really well, and then you slowly expose them until it doesn't matter how far you take them, how, how big the environment is, they have a pathway that they, they trust through the feel of your guidance, but also that becomes a habit that they process the environment that they're in, and they don't just fixate on on things off in the distance. Okay, so those tools that she uses on the ground are going to translate into the rain. Mm. So the leading that yeah. you were talking about, getting the thoughts to come forward, that will eventually translate to when you pick up a rain, the thoughts will follow yeah. through and redirect. So what, what you're looking for, the reason why you pick up a rope on the ground, you, you're standing on the ground, you're looking at your horse and you're seeing the eye roll, ear flick, the horse look into a direction, let go of a thought, and you and you and you learn for yourself what it looks like, what it feels like, and then you just translate that or you transfer it, sorry, to under saddle. So you just get up under saddle and start the game. I seeing the same thing. Is the horse following that rein like it's its best friend, or is it or is it bracing and, and fighting? Um, I had my horse leading really well on the ground. It was following its thoughts really well, and then when I sat on it, I got really nervous and didn't follow the rein. Oh, maybe there's a problem that the horse is still finding it difficult to process someone behind its eyes and ears. So maybe there's education in there that needs to be taught where the horse um, needs to learn to trust people behind it a bit more and make better decisions when a person's behind it. So, you know, you, you, you learn a lot by getting something right or close to right on the ground and getting on and, and, and then seeing a similarity or a big difference. And then you go, okay, learn, it teaches us to identify what may be the problem and that's all I do at clinics is I say to people, well, you know, that works really good when you're in front of your horse, but when you did it from behind the wither, the horse was really nervous. So it's not the fact that the horse doesn't know how to lead. It's the fact that the horse is still frightened of people at a certain angle on, on, their, on its eye. You mentioned in the last answer there about primary and secondary focus, which brings us into the third question for today. It's from Virginie. She has an off-the-track standard thoroughbred who she's been doing some groundwork exercises with, and I think that you've actually reviewed one of her videos as well. What she's found is that he he has a slightly different reaction from one side to the other. So on one side, he has a primary focus and also the secondary focus in that she can see that he's looking off into the distance, but he is maintaining some kind of awareness on her, which is the secondary focus. But then when she goes to the other side, so when she stands on his left side, there's no secondary focus at all. This means that he's very quickly, she describes it as a way out of the arena. So his full destination's full attention, his primary focus is off. And therefore, when she asks him to do something, um, so if she asks for a change of direction, it creates a surprise. And that translates into a strong brace and the refusal to turn. I, I find this really interesting that she's managed to break down the effects of the primary and secondary focus, and she's, you know, she's fully understanding um, how it affects how horses operate. So it's a brilliant explanation, really. But what she'd like to know is how should she get him to get this secondary focus balanced on the left so that change of direction can be a bit more flowy and less braced? I guess one of the holy grails in horse training 
uh, fascinated me for years. This sort of stuff is 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 um, how a horse can process us on one eye and on the other eye differently, and how they process different things on each eye. And, um, <clears throat> and there's never one clear answer with horses. I, I read in a, a magazine years ago, or was twenty years ago or so, when I was over in England, or and it was you must lead your horse on the left because they process us and things like that on the left with the left eye better, and that's why we lead horses on the left. And I'm like, that's interesting. But we ride them equally on both sides, <laughs> and then then we've got to get, expect them to understand that. But we've always worked on their sort of processing us eye on the left when we lead, and then we've got to ride them. And we've got to put them in floats with things on both sides and have people going past them on both sides and what all sorts of situations. So um, just because uh, there's a bias in a horse, it doesn't mean we can't try and um, make them more even um, in the sense that they um, can process things equally as good through their right eye as their left eye as, as they switch switch to their primary, you know, primary side, I suppose. So, um, so some horses don't like us down one side because they're wary of us down one side. Some horses don't like us down one side because we're blocking their gazing eye, okay? So some horses have a strong eye that they need to kind of check out things and, and if you take that eye off them, they feel a little bit vulnerable. And now obviously they feel vulnerable because the person still is a bit frightening to them or stressful or, or threatening. So around people, they feel a bit more vulnerable. So they need that eye to process the environment more. So some horses will constantly put you on one particular eye because they want their other eye to look out for danger. Now, sometimes they don't need that other eye to look out for danger, but sometimes just having a person in their environment makes them need to look at, makes the anxiety go up to a certain level that they need to look out for danger more. So that's why some horses put you on one side versus the other is because they want the other eye to look for gremlins. In a nervous kind of horse, a very wary horse is fully focused on us and just so focused on us because they're so frightened they don't know what to do. They will only put us on their eye that they need to process us on and not the other eye. So they put us on their more confident eye so they can process us on that eye. So there is two reasons why horses might not let us go down one side, okay? And that's what you've got to look at with him is do you think that he's needing the other eye more and he needs it to process things out there and go towards his thoughts and he just blocks us out or is he nervous of you down one side? It's a hard one sometimes to figure out because sometimes it can look a little the same. The fixing it is can be very similar. It, like each, each thing can be similar. You can fix it in a similar way. So in the leading by lesson, you've noticed, and it's really good you've noticed it, and you've kind of you've, um, you've read between the lines of everything, and, and that's the only way I've learned anything is through saying, well, hang on, there's a bit of an inconsistency in, in there. When the horse is doing this, this is not happening, but on the other side it is. And it's really good you're identifying those things. So what I would do on, on the bad eye, I can't remember if it's the left or right one now, but um, so the one that he's um, kind of blocking you out and just and just hyper-focusing out the other eye, is when you do a leading by lesson, and this is anyone out there that's got a, a wild horse that, or a horse that's never been handled much, anyone that's done any leading by lessons, this will be 
a, a key to some of some of the handling, handling the hind feet, everything. So basically, you're not leading a horse by just to go out and explore. You're also leading it by to learn how to process equally on both sides. So the speed that you lead your horse past you is the speed of when that horse has finally got even, I suppose. So basically on one side, on the good side, you could lead the horse to here so his eye goes right past you and he could have his eye side on to you and he could be still nice and soft and process the environment, process you and um, and be fine. But on the other eye, you'll get to a certain point and you'll see the change happen. Sometimes it's when they lose you with the outside eye, the change will start to happen. So if two eyes are coming past you, then all of a sudden they get further past you with that, that side and that's when they start to destinate. That's where you stop. You don't take them any further and you back them off a bit and say, come again. And then when they start to harden up and they start to to, to, to block out or, or destinate, or for the nervous ones, they start to get really frightened, you just back them off and say, come in again. So all come by again. And you just soften them there right at the point of brace where they start to change and have quite a big emotional change. And then you just back them into that space back them out again and then ask again and then when you see that strong change whether it be a nervous I'm a bit wary I don't want to come any further or I'm going to go on to destinate and just march off out through my outside eye then you stop and back off again and you slowly wean them past you and and basically for the horses to just get a strong thought you teach them to let go of that thought try again for the horses that are nervous that are kind of you you gently uh, you're working on um, their processing speed so you're not leading them into the lion's den in one big hit you let them go in slowly and so so basically for the nervous horses it's like stepping on a float gee you're nervous when you put your foot on the float step off try again oh that was a bit softer oh now you're really soft you can go a little bit further yeah so that's for the nervous horses for the for the for the, 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 the horses that have strong fixations and just march by they probably weren't quite nervous at one stage, but because they were in the mosh pit and, and obviously an off-the-track standard bread, um, have been thrown into the deep end with not a lot of tools sometimes. So basically what they do is they just march through things, just just smash through it all and just to get it done. Um, and that's their coping mechanism. So you have to slow that coping mechanism right down. So you, you get one thing right, and then when they soften and they let go of the brace, ask them bye. When I'm teaching people to lead horses on floats, it's the same thing. I say, this is a salt pan. Can you see a float behind you? No. Can you see freedom and grass out there? No. This is a salt pan. All you can see in every direction is the same thing. So a salt pan is not much different than closing your eyes and leading your horse. Sometimes close your eyes and feel for where the brace is. And when you feel that brace, just say, there it is. I might have to take them back off that brace and, and loosen that brace up. And, and, and through that feel, you'll, you'll get a horse to, to become equally soft everywhere. Um, and that's, that's what, what you're going to be looking at. So, and that'll help you out a lot with that one and for anyone else with the, with the, with the young brumbies and things like that. So that softness that they, they then um, that they, they get, that they're comfortable with you, um, then it's also going to just affect that balance of that primary focus that's going to take it away because they're still going to be so they're not going to need it, are they? They're yeah. comfortable with what you're doing. Okay, so it's a lot a lot of um in these answers and um I think you're gonna give people a lot to think about, Mark. It's fascinating stuff as always. What I sort of got from your answers is that you've got to give 
courses, tools that work, um, and then manage their environment and monitor what they can cope with. Um, then, of course, you bring in those tools as soon as they aren't coping to help them make those better decisions. And it all comes down to the, the decisions that we make. Of course, that's the irony of it, isn't it? To help them, we have to do the right things as well. So it's just it's great to hear all of the people out there who are noticing that their horses need the support from us. They need the help. We can't just keep going sort of in this dogmatic approach. It's about understanding what their what their needs are. And it's it's so wonderful to sort of know that you're out there to help people, but also that people are having the awareness of understanding this other side to horsemanship, which which is just such a fascinating area. So thank you very much for listening. There'll be more coming um of course every week information from Mark um you know giving it to, to support everyone out there so thanks very much thanks everybody thanks jenny if you want to nut out the root cause of any issues that you might be having jump online and take a look at mark's online training videos this is your ticket to learning mark's horsemanship yourself designed for people just like you and it has an array of incredibly useful content backed up with his support so this is our personal invite to you take a look it's free for the first week and then just $20 a month if you want to continue cancel anytime <laughs>